Blog Talk Radio. Yeah, how about that theme song, Steve? How about that theme song? <laughs> Where's that theme song? Here it is. There is no earthly way of knowing. Good man, a lot of time. Which direction we are going? We have reached a tipping point. about when the shows will drop, but that is the plan. Awesome, awesome. Always nice. Always nice to have other podcasts part of the family. Well, we're yeah. going to, you know, we're going to have Ace Haven on. He claims to have an announcement of some sort, so I'll be interested in hearing that. Of course, Pro South had their last show at their uh, the venue, uh, which they had been for years and years and years and years. So, you know, of course, we can only speculate what that announcement is going to be. Um, and Ace has also kind of gone through um, a bout of uh, bad health, right? Something wrong going going on with his head or something like that? Yeah, yeah. He, and I'm, we'll certainly we'll touch on that to get an update from him on that. But, yes, yeah, so what we're now talking three months ago, he had a, um, a, a fainting spell, which apparently is uh, something that he's suffered from uh throughout his life, but when he fainted, he fell and hit his head, resulting in a concussion and a seizure. Oh, jeez. So, yeah, so, so that's why he's been out of wrestling action for since before, you know, the final show. So certainly we're going to ch- want to check in with him because at la- the, as of a few weeks ago, he's, he was still not cleared to wrestle. So we'll see what the story is on wh- where, he, where he's at health-wise. And then Brooklyn Creed had about uh, a pretty scary thing happen. Oh. She had to go to the hospital. Um, I just got into contact with her because I just found out about it. I mean, I won't go into exactly what was happening because it's like a very personal nature, but she's better, but still in pain. So they're trying to figure out what's continuing to cause the pain. So, mm. uh, But she said she should be right as rain. 
And uh, just as a little preview, she's going to be mentioned in the next article I'm writing, which should be finished up tomorrow. Oh, so. I look I look mm-hmm. forward to this. And then since we're speaking about health issues, you know, we'd, we'd hope to have uh, Ricardo Ordaz from uh, – Lucha Lucha Atlanta on, and hopefully we'll oh, yeah. still be able to do that next week. But of course, he apparently he's just recovering from surgery, so um, we wish him a speedy recovery, also. Yes, and I mean more ailments. You know, Kenny Omega with a bite mark. Um, Nick Jackson with oh. a black eye. <laughs> well, we, we, and, uh, know, and like CM the, Punk apparently injured as well in the skirmish. So AEW yes. and WWE have done the biggest dosey dough in wrestling history in a four month period. <laughs> you know, we, you know, it's been it's been a month since we were on here with Slim J and we said at that time, of course that was after Vince was ousted or left or whatever you want to call it, we said how much things had changed. Well here we are a month later and things have changed dramatically once again. Wow. And I mean, right now Triple H is getting rewarded. He has been appointed to what, Chief creative officer which i didn't even know was a thing but now it's a thing and it's him yeah um i mean you know laurenitis is gone vince mcmahon is gone um the only thing you hear about bruce pritchard is how he came up with all those terrible names for retribution so (laughs) i thought that that was perhaps the most brilliant story leak of all time where it's like how do okay Pritchard's still here, but we want to discredit him completely. Oh, let's leak the story that he came up with all those terrible names for retribution. <laughs> I mean, could you could you do anything to discredit somebody more in terms of no. like wrestling creativity? Unless he came up with Raw Underground. <laughs> yeah. I think the names for retribution. Which um, shall I remind you what those names were, Larry? I, I wish you would. Oh, yes. Uh, T-Bar, Mace, Retaliation. Let me say that one again. Retaliation, a name so bad, Mercedes Martinez ran screaming from the entire company, basically. And, of course, my personal favorite, the only member of the Slapjack fan club was me. (laughs) President, founding member, owner of the Slapjack fan club. So, so, yeah. so, Steve, before we address the AEW woes, let's just talk to WWE for just a moment. Of course, yeah. obviously they've made a great number of, or Triple H has made a large number of really positive moves, one after another, really, since he, he took over. But what do My you God. think about Drew McIntyre not winning the title? It is the ultimate the sign... It is the ultimate sign of maturity. Everything would have begged for them to do it, but it would have been a short-term, granted, a magnificent short-term pop and effect at the sacrifice of long-term, potentially world-beating storytelling. I'll tell you why. Drew wins that thing. Does that entire – what is the crowd of – 60,000 or some insane yeah, number like 60, that? Legit, legit 60,000. 60,000 yeah. people lose their minds. Drew McIntyre has a reign that goes nowhere. They have nothing set up for Drew to be the champion. Like, that's one thing. And 
instead, the storyline they're going to get is Cody Rhodes, who now they get to push as the genius who left AEW <laughs> and who they get to use a full range of every Dusty Rhodes video clip you've ever seen in your life with a guy, Triple H, who worships Dusty Rhodes, right? Right. They get to they get to bring Cody back at Royal Fucking Rumble, where he will get the biggest pop they've perhaps ever gotten in the Royal Rumble. And then Cody gets to go against Roman Reigns, who has as many chips on the table as any champion in WWE history since Bruno San Martino, I said it, and gets to beat him and be seen as the most legitimate guy to beat Roman Reigns, and it feels like a payoff to the storyline. They literally had no idea how it was going to end. Mm. And it's the only legitimate guy who can beat Roman Reigns that feels like this is earned, it is great, and it is the ultimate fuck you to AEW. It is flawless. I can understand them wanting Drew to win. There's a part of me that wanted Drew to win just because I wanted to hear the reaction. But I don't think it was the right call. And I I don't know a lot of guys who wouldn't have made that call. I can't say that Vince McMahon would not have made that call. I think he would have. So kudos. Um, And I don't think it would have helped Drew McIntyre all that much. It would have been, it would have been forever. He would have, his career would have been forever downhill from there. Um, so I don't know. I, what are your thoughts, Larry, about Drew McIntyre not winning this thing? Well, I, I, to me, if you got him in front in his in Wales in front of sixty thousand people, you got to put him over. But the, the only thing, the thing that the only thing that really bothered me was that business at the end with him singing and acting all jolly after he lost. I, I don't know if they thought they were no longer uh, streaming. Or what? That was really strange. That thing with him it was Tyson we- Fury. It, in the it ring. was weird. It was definitely not American, which I kind of liked too. Like it, it felt like they were playing to a very different kind of sensibility. In fact, that whole show kind of felt that way to me. It didn't feel like, you know, like the Saudi Arabia shows feel like like a Mark booking WWE, mm-hmm. right? Whereas this did feel like. Uh, this it just had a different vibe. Boy, it was fun to see a crowd that could potentially take over a show again, and actually gave a shit about what they were watching. It WWE, sure as as much as things are improving and their ratings are up across the board, right? Raw and SmackDown are well over two million every time, but the crowds are not no. subsequently responding yet. They've been right. conditioned um, for so long to watch it passively that they haven't learned. That's why I'm saying I think Cody Rhodes is the only guy that for an American audience, if they tell the right story, which I just imagine they're going to, right? They're going to tell the Dusty didn't do it, I'm going to do it story, um, which so, I think will mean a lot to their fan base. You know, one one thing before we go on to, to AEW. Um, so, are you a skeptic? I'm very skeptical that there's going to be any kind of a match with Rock at WrestleMania. Um, 
And oh no, I don't I think would, so at all. Um, you know, okay. I don't like. How would they not be talking about that already? If it was, if it was even a strong possibility, you think the cheeses would be all over the place. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, but then again, maybe they don't need to. Uh, maybe they should go. You know what? We're gonna. We already sold blank amount of tickets. Like, I don't know. Um, I, you know, as, as I think rock would have been amazing a year ago or even two years ago. And now I think you got to go with what's the best for the long-term future of your company. And it's, yeah, it's Cody having it and a new set of opponents, you know? So, I mean, imagine Cody winning it and, and they bring the fiend back. Imagine, I mean, there's, boy, there's a lot there, well, you know? I'd rather not imagine the scene back, but um, the, I agree. So <laughs> the AEW situation—it really surprised me that I was still—I was seeing posts about that it was implying or stating that they that people believing that this was a work, this is a storyline work. I just like, wow, no, no, this is wrestling. No work. People are the dumbest people in the world, Larry. I mean, wrestling people believe football is fixed. Basketball is fixed. I would love. I love the theory of uh, football being fixed. Um, yeah, and everything else in the world being fixed. Um, the, the, so they see a fix everywhere. I don't. If you're gonna do a, a work, this ain't it, right? No. You're gonna have that fight. No. You're gonna have the fight. You're gonna have that fight happen in the back without a single picture, without yeah. Brandon Cutler happening to be recording something for BTE. Come on. Right, like no part of what? that. I mean, and you can tell by the by the incredibly awkward way it's being dealt with. You know, there's no plan in place. You know, what a that they had mess. to. What a mess. Uh, I mean, for tonight, apparently they had a like. You know, they're they're supposed to give Jericho and Moxley some time off. And now they've had to enlist them because the Bucks aren't going to be there. Omega's right. not going to be there. Um, Christopher Daniels is not going to be there. Apparently he was involved in the brouhaha. Michael oh, really? Nakagawa. I didn't catch that part. Yes. That's the latest, that a whole bunch of other people were involved, including, like, Michael Nakazawa, Christopher Daniels. Yeah. So, I mean, and oh, people man. go, well, what's the big deal? Like, Michael Nakazawa is not a big deal. Christopher Daniels is a hell of a big deal because he wields a great deal of authority there. And he's supposed to be one of Tony Khan's, like, this is one of the guys that's going to make sure shit's going right. Yeah, he's, he's one of the there getting in the middle. He's, he's in, there, in there getting in the middle of a fight. With, I mean, you got CM Punk, Ace Steel. By the way, for the record, um, everyone's an asshole at this. Let me make that crystal clear, right? Everyone's an asshole. <laughs> um, but, you know, how does it look at CM Punk, Ace Steel, and uh, what, Ace Steel's fucking pregnant wife are on one side of this fight and seven people are on the other? Jeez Louise, you know? And, by the way, the 3-1, apparently. <laughs> so, oh. It's a I nightmare, Larry. I, I could not imagine a worse scenario, but, you no, know, barring I, somebody dying or something very serious happening. I, I just, in terms of the company, I can't imagine a worse state of affairs right now. Mm-hmm. I, I just felt so sad when I watching that media scrum, and 
he, that Punk just launches into that stuff, and Tony Khan's just sitting there and, you know, doesn't do anything to shut that shit down. Uh, you know, I mean, yeah, he's got his, his arguably his biggest star, and but, but doing this, you know, <laughs> destroying the, destroying the company in front of his eyes, <laughs> and he's he's helpless. To, I mean, uh, part of what I'm going to talk about in this full disclosure about is about how this is in a weird way. It, when the timeline is written out this will be seen as a, a bulwark moment and, and, and either the greatest or worst moment in AEW history, right? It's about the response because Tony Khan has one major weakness. Larry, there is no such thing. I told this to somebody earlier and they freaked out. There is no such thing as there is a such thing as a head coach. There is such a thing as a player coach, but you know what? There's no such thing as a fan coach. And, Tony Khan is a fan coach and he's finding out that there's no such thing as a fan coach mm-hmm. that you can't get too close to these guys, that there's a reason. And, and I mean, Larry, is it safe to say that I am a non-traditionalist when it comes to wrestling structure and uh, technique in uh, many, uh, many ways? Uh, yeah. I think that's very safe to say. Yeah. Right. But I am certainly a believer in, my vision, my leadership, right? You enlist others to help you. Like Tony Khan's right about that. But ultimately, if you're dispersing the leadership because you don't want to take it, you're doomed. If you're dispersing it because it's too much work for one man to take, that's different. Vince yeah. McMahon's weakness is he didn't distribute. He wanted too much control over everything. If you're a guy who's ripping up scripts 15 minutes before a show, that's, an, that's a problem. That's a humongous problem, right? But if you're also the guy who's like, well, I'm sorry these people claim they couldn't get a hold of me, but now I've assigned all these different people that you can talk to who can then talk to me. That is, whether that's true or not, that was such a pussy press release. I was just like, why would you ever admit to that? Either apologize or say these guys are full of shit. But what you can't say as a leader is, well, I just didn't know. I would never admit to not knowing something. <laughs> that, nothing says clueless owner then I have no one, huh? Well, you can't be that guy. Steve, speaking you of business owner, could, I mean, he came across like such a mark complaining about WWE running on the same weekend. Are you kidding? Oh, my God. That was terrible. You know who, oh, I mean, no, we're having to run third because, oh, my God. That was, I didn't even think about that, Larry. You're right. I mean, like, hello? You mean you're just now waking up to who you're dealing with here? This organization you're dealing with? Come on. Uh, Like, you get to make pay-per-view money that they don't no longer make, right? You get to be – I mean, I've said this before. They get to be the number one true wrestling company. That's, That's how you push your thing. That's how you go. And instead of just doing these weird, like, statements of, we would work with the WWE, 
<laughs> to me, that I mean, when you read that kind of stuff, does that come across as a position of strength? To me, it comes across as like, we're your prison, bitch. Don't hurt us. You're kind of I, like a yeah. goddamn idiot. <laughs> I mean, I, mean, I worked with like people. All, like, put it this way, Larry. <laughs> Publicly, I worked with people. Right? We used to do those those Titan class shows with Empire and Big Woods Group. Right? We did all this kind of stuff. We did crossover stuff with MGCW for crying out loud. Ended up trying to do a thing with Anarchy. Right? But privately in the locker room. It was fuck all those guys. <laughs> or or to put it another way, you know, Tony Khan on the streets and fucking Paul Heyman in the sheets, bro. Like, <laughs> with, with my guys, it's fuck all of them. And Tony Khan's thing seems to be kind of whining. You know, everything is like, well, it's, mm-hmm, the mm-hmm, WWE mm-hmm. is, it's like, uh, that's why I like this in the sense that Oh, they're gonna have to. Uh, they're gonna have to fight. They're gonna have to fight. They're gonna have to see. They're gonna have to determine an enemy. The AEW. This is my ultimate thing about AEW, and I haven't heard another pundit say this, which means it's probably absolutely true because everybody else is a fucking moron. From every other take I've seen, it's just so terrible. Jim Cornette's takes terrible. Bully Ray, all the rest. Here's the smartest take you're gonna hear. The worst thing that happened to AEW was the appearance of success. I agree. That's what we're seeing. That's what we're seeing. We're seeing, you know, there's the philosophical concept of the Girardian Triangle, which is two forces will oppose each other and destroy each other unless they can find a third in which to devote their energy. And AEW has always had that third to devote their energy. It was staying afloat during COVID. It was, nobody thinks we can do it. I mean, how many leagues in Georgia run off of that same bullshit message, right? Oh, they tried to stop us. Southern fried, Southern honored. They all do it, right, Larry? And it's a bogus narrative. Nobody fucking tried to stop any of these guys. Not in any way that could have. But they tell themselves that. And I understand why you tell yourselves that. Because you need an enemy. You need everybody focused on that. So, because when you're when you're when you have a task at hand and you're winning, there's nothing wrong. But the problem is they reached a point where, and it also coincided with the WWE suddenly riding the fucking ship, Bingo. right, seemingly overnight. But it really came down to you would see evidence of it all over the place. Eddie Kingston's going after Sammy Guevara because he called him fat in a heel promo. Like, <laughs> what's going on? Eddie Kingston, who was begging for a job two years ago with the most heartfelt promo in wrestling history, right? And now he's, you can't call me a fat. What? It, it, <laughs> like, it looks these, like, these guys uh, have lost their minds because of success. They all have. And strangely, the two guys who have the biggest right to lose their minds because of the success, because it owes mostly to them at this point, are the ones with the most level head, Chris Jericho and John Moxley. Mm-hmm. Like that's even the crazier. I mean, John Moxley went to rehab, and ever since that guy's come back, 
I mean, you want to talk about a guy who is laser focused, right? Yes. Laser focused on what he's supposed to do. And Jericho, I might hate his politics. I may hate a whole lot of things about him, but damned if he isn't the most stable, you know what I mean? Like I'm going to take all these young guys under my wing and I'm going to give them the rub and then we're going to turn them loose. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like they're the two guys who care the most and appear to be the most ego-less in a time where the rest of them is ego city. And it's like, you haven't done anything yet. (laughs) You know, you guys can't crack a mill consistently. Like, but, you know, they believe their own bullshit. And then they probably saw the Vince McMahon stuff as, oh, this is the beginning of the collapse. They didn't understand that this was a a snake shedding its skin. Right. (laughs) This is what happened is WWE finally got to live up to its potential because the old decrepit thinking was suddenly gone Um, along with the culture. I think it's important why McMahon got ousted because it, it alludes to a culture that existed there that I guarantee you does not exist there anymore. You know, right, right. And, I mean, they were just, he was, I mean, Vince was crippling them. I mean, it didn't take a brilliant uh, strategist. It just took somebody with some with, with, a, with somebody who wasn't doing crazy, stupid stuff. Um, yeah. To, 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 and, and they were, I mean, they'd been lulled into a false, speaking of AEW, lulled into a false insecurity because WWE just kept screwing up ridiculously bad. And now it looks like they've just crumbled under pressure. And the worst thing that happened to AEW is they succeeded when they deserved to fail. I'll give you a perfect example. Okay. The fucking New Japan crossover pay-per-view got 150,000 buys. It's the worst thing that ever happened to them because in in Tony Khan's mind, it justified how they booked that thing. And they've been doing shitty television for months to build that thing. The worst television AEW has ever done was to build that fucking Japanese crossover pay-per-view. It killed their show. It destroyed Rampage almost beyond repair. And there's, you know, but in their mind, yeah, but we drew this big house. You sold that house in 10 minutes, and it had nothing to do with anything, right? It just had to do with, oh, this will be cool. Their fan base, they've got you know, a fan base that will sell out their quarterly pay-per-views. Sure. But now they're talking about doing more. It's like, no. No, 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 no. Like, uh, you well, know, uh, I mean, the ultimate sign to the WWE is doing it right is they hired back my boy Ryan Cat. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was no reason to fire him except for he was perceived as a Triple H loyalist. Nobody can right. tell me different. He's a production guy that has nothing to do with picks whatsoever. He's a guy who literally edits fucking footage, right? Yeah. Yeah. And by the way, watch the NXT shows once they got rid of Ryan. God awful. Just in terms of like camera cuts, choices made, formatting. I mean, that show looked amateur, did it not? I mean, just amateur as hell. And having Ryan back, how did that last pay-per-view, that, how did that last NXT takeover look? 
fucking amazing. And it's the best one they've done in months. I think yeah, not just creatively in terms of like, you know, hitting the cues and we need the lights to go out. I mean, just that kind of stuff, which Ryan does so well. Now they've got it back. And it's like AEW is just finding themselves not able to compete, you know. It's hard. It, uh, it's hard. It pains me terribly because I love AEW. Just this, this is just. But it's good, Larry, it's because 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 it's one of two things can happen. They'll either they'll either die, or they will adapt. And any league worth its shit in wrestling history took a punch and then came back stronger, or mm-hmm. they took a punch and they exploded and died. And I mean, are they going to be ECW where they find a way to fix what's wrong with them internally and continue to run? Are they going to be WCW? I mean, WCW in the early to mid nineties was a horror show, right? Yes, the Jim Hurt era, all the oh. rest of it, total chaos, Bill Watts going in there, total chaos. You know, Kip Fry. Like, I mean, they went through a year of hell there. And all it took was a complete mental change and a regime change and a guy that had some new ideas and a different way to run things. And, you know, it's possible, but is Tony – and, I mean – Keep this in mind. Tony Khan is also vice president of the fucking Jaguars, and we're going into football yeah. season. Right. He's also in charge of a soccer team. Like, oh, it's a lot. And the guys he's putting in charge are the guys that are getting into the fucking fight. Like, that's the problem. You know who else got suspended, by the way? Fucking the, the agent guy that they stole from the WWE that they promoted. Buck. Pat Buck? He was all, yes, Pat Buck was he in was the, in the fight. fight, too? Yes, supposedly. I mean, that's what you got to be worried about. Like, oh, my God. You, Clearly, I, I, Larry, I, I, we know what they need, and his name is Stephen Platinum. But anyway, <laughs> that's my conclusion. <laughs> I, I, by the way, I got a message from Ace. He's got some scheduling issues. He's endeavoring to get on here as soon as he can, and he understands that we've got to get off here by 8 o'clock tonight. So we might just have okay. to – I said we might have to break this in two parts. We'll see if he can make it. But, but back to the AEW while we're on this. Yes. Like, like, so Ace Steel, I understand he's punks. I know his relationship with punk goes way, way back, blah, blah, blah. But people like Daniels, Steel, Buck, aren't they supposed to be breaking up the fight? Yes. That's what I mean. I think, but again, uh, you know, as the great Sun Tzu said in Art of War, Larry, when your leader is weak, tenants are insubordinate. And mm. if, it's a, if it's a book that people have never read, get your dumb ass and read it. Sun Tzu's Art of War will explain more about what's wrong and right about pro wrestling than any than Dave Meltzer or Jim Cornette ever will, because well, if, if, <laughs> if I was a lieutenant of Tony Khan sitting and watching that media scrum, I'd be losing my mind. That's our leader out there. 
Oh, He's, my I mean, God. Punk, you know, Jeff G. Bailey put it best. He goes, Punk didn't just say that stuff and Tony Khan sat there doing nothing. He actually belittled Tony Khan and treated yeah. him like a child, where it was like, no, I got this. I mean, he literally said, I got this, Tony. Can you imagine anybody, including Hulk Hogan in his prime, saying that to Vince McFucking man? No. I got this. Did he help to pay? Heyman? Or, like, even Heyman, who wouldn't have been dictatorial about it, he would have just been the better talker and been like, fuck you, right? Right, right, right. You're just taking control of the situation. (laughs) Or or me? I mean, I I can't imagine. No. But, you know, like, and not that it's a macho thing. It's just the, like, it just, again, it shows the lack of respect that they have for that guy and that's the part that would concern me the most i mm-hmm. would and what i'm concerned with is tony khan's going to go the other way and and throw this like shit fit about it you know well fine i've been nothing but nice to you guys you know he's going to be like one of these simp nice guys that give women flowers every day and then they get mad that they don't get to touch their boobs and so then they become these women hating monsters you know <laughs> <laughs> we don't want we won't want Tony Khan to become a wrestling incel, right? Where he's just like, I was nothing but nice to these guys and they're mean and so now you better do what I tell you to do or you're fired. Like that's not gonna help morale. Um oh. you know what should happen? Larry, in a perfect world you know okay. They they hire Stephen Platinum as the Bill Watts WCW guy, right? Steve go in and kick ass. You know what I'm doing? Can you guess what I'm doing first? Uh, no. <laughs> um, I'm sitting down individually with all those guys who are in the fight. Oh, yeah. And I'm yeah. asking them to tell me what happened. So I can put together what happened in the fight. And then I'm getting them all together. And I go, okay, based on what you guys told me, this is what I think happened in this fight. And then I'm having somebody who animated the fight for me. And then I'm talking through it. And I go, is that accurate? And then getting all of their little opinions. Because the reason you do that is, I know this sounds insane, right? You have to be crazy to fix the situation. And then I'm going, well, guess what, guys? All of you are going to end up working together, and we're going to make a shit ton of money and ratings out of this. But... We have to be able to work together. So we need to figure out before we leave this fucking room how we can all work together and be pro wrestling people about this. I wouldn't fire anybody. I wouldn't even even give them lengthy suspensions uh, if they could come to the agreement of, yes, we will work together and make money out of this. Right, we can make we can make money out of this. Hey, I, sorry to to cut you off on in, no, in the midst of this, but we, our guest has arrived, and we're on limited time, so let's bring on excellent the man himself. We should hopefully have Pro South Ace Haven with us. Is that you, sir? Hello. We have How Ace Haven. Hey, we're good. Yes, we did. What's going on, Ace? How are you? How are you feeling, man? Uh, I'm exhausted. I've had a long day at work. I worked over. I'm tired. Uh, but physically, I feel great. Oh, excellent. Excellent. 
Larry, so do you want to fire uh, off the first question? Yes. Yeah. So in the in the earlier part of the show, we you know we just briefly touched on your health issues. Can you bring us up to speed? Are you are you medically cleared now? I'm not medically cleared. Um, I have been cleared enough to return to work, uh, but I am not cleared to drive, nor am I cleared to professionally wrestle or anything of that such. Um, I have more testing to be done soon, and hopefully that will give me some more answers and give me clearance to do some things I want to do. But as of today, I'm still not medically cleared to do virtually anything but go to work. Lucky you. Enjoy. Gotcha. Um, Ace, how are you feeling post-Roman triumph of a final show in that building? Um, Now that you're able to have a little distance from it and you're able to think about it a little bit, and uh, what's what's your feeling about it now? You know, my my feelings really haven't changed on it, Steve. It, It was an emotional night. For me, it was emotional night for a lot of people. Um, still emotional for me. There's there's parts of the arena, obviously, you know, stuff that I installed that I brought with me, and then there's parts of the arena that I brought with me. Uh, you know, parts of the locker room that uh, just had sentimental value to me. Um, if you've ever been in our locker room, you know, we hold a meeting and we stack it up a lot like a little league team, and we always do it while standing on a red square. So I prized that up out of the floor and I took that with me. Um, you know, just just things like that. You know, just emotional. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah, you grew up in wrestling in that building. I mean, right? I mean, from your earliest days, right? Sure, sure. Uh, you know, I my earliest wrestling was Ed and Pro South. It was not my first wrestling, but it was absolutely the you know, for me, most of my experience came in that building. Um, you know, I, I met my wife through that show. Um, you know, most of the closest friends that I still have to this day, I've met through that show. So, yeah, I, I grew up there. Uh, I matured there, and I've watched a lot of other people grow up and mature there. And that building uh, holds a lot, uh, holds a lot of memories for me, and a lot of sentimental value. And it's really sad that it will return to being a warehouse to store junk at this stage. So that's what it's going to be used for now, huh? It's a warehouse to yes. store stuff. Yep. Um, what hey. a uh, what a sad <laughs> farewell. Um, you know, you mentioned you met Amy there, and a lot of your friends and that kind of thing. Um, what's what's a <laughs> this is going to sound like a completely crazy question, but you know I tend to ask those. Um, what's a memory from that place that has a strong negative connotation? that you sort of learn to live with through time. Does that make sense? Like like something that sure. you had real hard feelings about, but by that last show you had sort of reconciled. Mm. Well, um, yeah, well, yeah, the, <laughs> the capacity for sure would be one thing that I have a negative against. Uh, but in terms of memories, one thing that stands out that, you know, Thankfully, it was all straightened out by the end. Uh, but, you know, any of the issues between me and Wicked Nemesis that stemmed yeah. in that building, you know, a lot of that was had negative, And that was fairly recent. Um, but, you know, I was I, I was pretty messed up in that building uh, several years ago. It's probably 10 years ago now. Um, but I was wow. wrestling Jimmy in his original farewell match from Pro South. And, 
um, I got knocked out, and then I got landed on several times in rapid succession while I was unconscious, and it tore my face up really bad. It broke out oh. my teeth. Um, you know, it blacked, blacked both of my eyes. My nose was busted. It was it was pretty graphic. Um, and I don't fault anybody for that, so don't take the negative as that. But, you know, that's – for wrestling, besides, you know, a broken you know broken bone or a muscle tear, like that's a, that's a pretty graphic injury. Um, and, you know, that's kind of always stood by me. But, you know, in, in the end, it just kind of became, you know, an, a, another Jimmy memory uh, at the end. So that, yeah. would, that would probably be. You know, I uh, I know you touched on some of your remembrances that that night, and obviously the way the show was structured, the last show touched on some of those. But how about hitting a, a, a couple more of us really fond rem- remembrances of that of you f- with that building? Um, well, you know, of course, getting in the host AJ Styles um, was was a great was a great memory for me. Um, that was great. Any of the comedy stuff I got to do in that building, it was that was a lot of fun. <laughs> um, you know, I I love doing the comedy stuff, um, and I love doing it in the the vein that I get to do it in there, where I'm kind of a serious character that ends up in some comedic situations. I love that. Um, I know that's probably a weird one to go from AJ Styles to getting to do comedy, but you know, that's that's how I work, man. Uh, but you know that that uh, car coming down was good stuff. Yeah. Um, that show was, was a blast. And then just, you know, any time that I take somebody, I say I, when, when the team takes somebody that, you know, has the reputation of not being bookable or not being a good worker or being horrible or whatever Larry's used in the past to describe Roma and probably Cam. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, and and to take people like that and, and to get to watch them grow um, and mature as wrestlers and then become, you know, maybe if it's not someone that, that Larry and ultimately you, Steve, end up putting over, but just to, just to see them grow anyway, you know, those are fond yeah. memories for me because that's the whole reason the show was created. I mean, I I, I used to say this, age because, you know, I trained guys as well as running shows that the guys I trained were in, and... Everybody remembers the guys that became exceptional or who were already very good that you helped get to exceptional. But it's really the guys who, this is going to sound so negative, but it is what it is, that maybe had no business being a part of wrestling, at least by an old school standard, and getting them to the point where they were viable. I was a big, I would use that word a lot privately. Like, we need to get Johnny Danger viable, you know? Right. Uh, and the fact that these guys can work elsewhere and achieve, depending on the kind of sh- the level of show that it is, I mean, Roma Miller can go to, this will sound a negative again, he can go to a shit show and he can fucking be the main event of that show. And people think that that's an insult. That is not. That is a major accomplishment. You know, when you can condition guys and give them a place where they can make mistakes and grow and get them to a place where they can be viable elsewhere, it's an invaluable service. You well, know? Well, you know, you and Steve, you and Ace, 
you know, obviously quite different methods and approaches. But I learned to appreciate that about both PCW and uh, ProSouth, as you guys are masters of making people viable. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, man. Okay, that, that's how praise. Um, and, yeah, Steve and I have a very different way of doing things, but, you know, we we both end up kind of painting the same picture, and uh, mm-hmm. that's just a testament to the art of wrestling, that we're able to both go about it in such different ways and still end up with the art that we make. Um, you know, that's just the that's just beauty of wrestling. Well, and I think there's a, there's a, there's common ground there, right? We were both guys who believed in reps. I mean, I know it wasn't easy to book a weekly show in Alabama where you were, getting guys to come. I mean, that was, like you had harder stuff to deal with than I did from a logistical standpoint in that way, right? But I'll just ask you, shit, I'm not going to assume anything. Ace, why were you so fucking determined to run weekly when it had to be an absolute nightmare? It was, Well, first off, you're correct. It was an absolute nightmare from the word go. Every, uh, and then when the commission took hold in Alabama, and then it became now a mountain of paper, because now I'm mailing, you know, 50-plus event permits, 50-plus gate tax forms. Oh, my gosh. Um, you know, that's, Holy shit. Oh, that's a lot. Um that's a lot. And, p- and by the way, people who top- want commissions in Georgia, go fuck yourself. If you're hearing you this really and you want a commission in Georgia, go fuck yourself. Okay, I'm sorry. Continue. You really don't want permit, Jesus. <laughs> but it was a nightmare. But it was one of those things of nobody else was doing it, really, mm-hmm. um, especially in Alabama. But in general, really, nobody runs weekly, hardly. And then with the product that we were offering, with the streaming, the YouTube stuff um, – and and just the way that I write, and honestly, you know, that's another thing too that I don't feel like I could book a show that does not revolve around a weekly schedule. That's just the way I tell stories. It, it's the way I like to let things marinate and build. Um, you know, and and there's some people that are superbly talented at booking spot shows or booking you know monthly cards or whatever the such may be. I, I don't think that's me. Um, I think my strength lies in letting the stories build and letting them build in a weekly format. Um, and I think it hides some of the workers better because then instead of you have a six-match card that is, is once a month, now all of them have to be bangers. You know, I'll run 24 to 30 show, or 24 to 30 matches a month. So I have a little more room for error with my guys that I use. Of They don't have to bring it every single night they don't have to have the feud ender every single night they can have what you know a story match we can have a skit match we can have something like that that would be possibly less palatable on a monthly show um and so i think it just gives me a lot more tools to play with personally and i think you could do things like have guys come out and just do a talk segment and it doesn't feel like they're wasting their time you know, where it's just like, oh, God, I mean, you can't really do that on a monthly show. Or if you do, it has to be this, like, end-all, be-all promo that advances every. You know, you guys just can't exactly. come out and talk. And exactly. That's a huge part of the pro-south, um, like, recipe to me is guys who couldn't really cut promos who eventually learn to get good at it and get the reps in to do it. It's great. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
Ace, talk for a minute, if you would, about what it's like to come in every week and almost never does the show you had planned out come off in the sense of somebody's not there, something's happened, and you have to at the last minute book on the fly and change things around. Oh man. Uh well, you know, by the end by the end of that I I would dare say I got fairly good at that. Um <laughs> but <laughs> five hundred and ninety seven reps of it I better be, right? Um yeah. but yeah and you're right. It it literally if we had a week where something didn't just fall apart it was very rare, um, and you know, and it's not always talent or or an arrival time or whatever. Sometimes it's, hey, guess what? The stream computer completely crashed ten minutes before we opened the doors. Um, so now, you know, now the rest of Ace's time is going to be getting this computer back up and running and getting everything reset, so we can still go live at seven fifteen. Um, you know, and, and those kind of things happen more than I'd like to admit, guys. Um, you yeah. know the. You know, and I, I may have taken a page out of the Rick Michaels playbook, and I may have thrown a few things. Uh, I'm not going to deny that. But, you know, it, it's stressful. It's stressful, but at the same time, I, sometimes I felt like our better stuff came out of the necessity of cleaning up a mess. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. You know, do, we, do we have time? To think about this. Do we have time to outweigh the pros and the cons? No, we have to do. And and sometimes I think that helped because it pulled off that that filter of is this good? We didn't have time to worry about if it was good or not. We had to fix a problem. Yeah. And, and sometimes I think that MacGyver style booking really brought some of the best stuff out of pro style. Well, it certainly brought spontaneity. Yes. Yeah. I mean. My my ex-wife once accused me of me thinking that all theater or performance-based entertainment had to be shocking and dangerous. And I went, it does. <laughs> <laughs> right? It yeah. does. And, I mean, Pro-South really was... I didn't have to agree with every decision made in order to enjoy what I was watching, which to me is the ultimate sign of a successfully done thing, right? If I watch a movie or if I watch Game of Thrones and I, at the end of that show, I go, they failed with the ending and it made me not enjoy the show as a whole. That is a cataclysmic failure. But if I can look at the end of something and go, I don't feel right about it, but I'm okay with the decision that was made. And I think Pro South evolved into a promotion that, okay, maybe I wouldn't have this guy be the champion. But you know what? I still want to watch their story. And uh, that's pretty impressive. I'm so glad you said that because time and time again, I'd watch Pro South and my first impression would be, you know, I didn't really care for this or that. And then I would think about it more. And then I would see it differently. And I'd begin to appreciate it in a different way. That happened over and over again. It's, it was really something. Hopefully, it'll ha- hopefully that will happen again soon. 
Yeah. Is yeah. there anything happening? We, we are. I'm sorry that we're short on time tonight. We probably should do this in a part two. But is there any news on the building front? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, do you do you want do you want more? You want more, don't you? <laughs> no, to keep it a secret, no, I don't want to know. I don't want to know. When do you when do you want to do a part two, Larry? Uh well uh next week, Larry. Okay. Fuck it. Yeah, okay, so we'll do it next week with Ricardo. Yeah. Week. How about that? How about that? Perfect. Perfect. So what we can do next week is we can talk about how we're going to have a return show September 16th at our new venue. The fuck? Sixteenth? <laughs> yes. You mean That's like right. a week Nine from uh, Friday night? Week from Friday night. <laughs> you just wait. <laughs> God damn. You want, me to, you, want me to be the, you want me to be the villain for a moment? Yeah. Yes. Larry, I've had I've had I've had a new building since three days after the farewell show. Oh fuck you. <laughs> Remodels take time. Mm. Oh, Larry. Some some dirt sheet you've got, Larry. Yeah. Yeah, I got the pipeline. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's well, great. I, no, it's it's fucking wonderful. Um, we're definitely going to do this next week. Hopefully we'll have Ricardo on as well. Um, Ace... Thank you for being on. We we have to have a hard like eight o'clock end tonight. Um, sure. Any last thing you want to say besides the absolute bomb that you just dropped? Um, you know, I'm a big believer in not having a period after an exclamation point. <laughs> um, well, is there anything well, well, that you want well, to say? Wait a minute. Now you're you're we're only like nine days away. When are you going to reveal to the public where this where this thing's going to be and everything? We can. You want the location? We can give the location right now. The location oh, is 1003 Industrial Park, Piedmont, Alabama. All right. And wait till you see pictures of this venue, Larry. I'm gonna send you. Matter of fact, I'm gonna send you some pictures of it tonight. <gasps> Your mind's Great. gonna be blown. You can have. You can have the scoop on that. I'll take it. <laughs> wow. But, Steve, I well, expect you to get some full disclosure pumped out at some point in time, too. Yeah, that's happening tonight or tomorrow morning. Um, it's and it's a great it, – it has – I'm going to tease my shit. It has arguably either the greatest or worst opening in full disclosure history. <laughs> Why can't I don't it be know both? Which. What? <laughs> it can be both, as we've seen many times. Hopefully, this one won't get me a lawsuit, but it probably will. So, <laughs> well, Ace, any other, any other, anything else you want to say before we wrap this up? Any other bombs you want to drop? 
I, do I have any more? I, I think that's it. I think I unloaded everything. They're all at the end. All right. All right. Cool. Woo. Well, next week we're going to have Ace Haven back for part two, where he's going to talk more about this show on September 16th, happening in a new venue. Uh, we're going to talk to Ricardo about why he should be lending the three of us money. Uh, <laughs> 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 and um, yes, um, uh, thanks to Ace Haven for being here. Uh, such a great time. Um, continued uh, good fortune with your personal health. Hopefully all of that resolves itself relatively soon. Um, we're going to talk a lot more about Pro South, especially now that we know that it's not a funeral or a wake. Right. <laughs> um, we're gonna, and we're going to talk more to Ace, and we're going to talk to Ricardo, and we're going to be back next week. Um, where are you guys going to be this weekend? Larry. Where are you Savannah going for a family reunion. No wrestling. Whoa. Nice. Wow. That's Ace, really what are exciting. Gonna, what are you going to check out this weekend, Ace? Uh, absolutely nothing. I'm going to be hard at work doing what little bit of the remodel is left. Nice. Um, I have a rare chance that I could go to a show live. Really? I'm probably not. Yeah, because I, I decided to take... Saturday and Sunday off from my day and into the early evening job. But I'm really just going to spend time with the kids. I'm still working the overnight nice. jobs and all that bullshit. Nice. I worked 96 hours last week. My God. So I'm going to try to keep it between 70 and 80 this week. That um, sounds like a reasonable but, goal. But I'm going to hang out with the kids. Um, you know, they're, they're having this sort of crackerjack year. We're going to get all of our, like, Halloween stuff done early this weekend. So, uh, yeah. But uh, anyway, um, we will see you guys next week. Special thanks to Ace Haven, who we'll be talking to again. And for Larry Goodman and I'm Stephen Platinum, thank you for joining us for The Tipping Point. We thank you for listening to this broadcast, a production brought to you by the GWH Radio Network. Stay tuned to GeorgiaWrestlingHistory.com for the latest information on upcoming events and more. As always, we thank you for your continued support.